Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Where today in particular, Andrew, we are talking about my sweet spot and really the whole heartbeat behind this podcast, bringing the Lordship of Jesus, yeah. not to the bits and pieces of our lives, but to every aspect of our lives. And that is really the source and secret to uh, living the blessed and full life that Christ intends us for us to live. So I'm excited about this podcast. Of course, it comes out of a series we're doing right now at Living Stones called Modern Life, and we want to drill down deeper. This is the subtitle is Modern Life, Jesus Confronts American Culture. And you know, the I guess the passion in my heart and both of our hearts is that if the church gets her act together, um, then the rest falls in place. You know, that uh, if we'll be who Christ has called us to be as God's people in this world, uh, we'll see the Lord moving and demonstrating his power and his glory and doing what he does best, which is saving people and healing people and loving people and restoring people and, and restoring nations. And, you know, that's really what we're after. So I'm excited about, about the season that we've been in and excited about where uh, what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, and if you missed uh, the Sunday sermons, you can catch it on our website, uh, look on our YouTube channels. Um, you don't want to miss it. The series has been super powerful. Hitting some hard points, you know, really talking about relevant issues in our culture today. Yeah, and we uh, we launched an exciting ministry this week at Living Stones called Common Ground. It's our young adults ministry. And and that we're so excited about that. We're going to devote an entire you know, separate podcast, just talking about that ministry and what God's doing. Uh, but it was a great week. And of course, as we're recording this now, uh, the, you know, we have Band of Brothers coming up this week, which is going to be amazing. We're expecting about 500 men coming together just to be sharpened, encouraged, and uh, and God is on the move and doing great things. That's another, we could talk about how important manhood is to uh, yeah. not only the church, but to, to, the, to our homes, to our marriages, obviously to our nation as as the strength of men goes, so goes our nation. So this is a, a big week for us, big week of victory, big week of uh, excitement as we look ahead. And I'm sure you'll hear, you know, more about that uh, in in later podcasts. But we're so glad that you tuned in today. Once again, we love it when you uh, give us some feedback. Uh, what is speaking to you? Uh, what are some things maybe we touch on that you'd like more information about, or uh, we just we just love to hear from you. And so take the time to to weigh in, even as you're listening. Let us know uh, what's hitting home, what's helpful, uh, and what's not. So we appreciate that. Amen. Man. Well, let's get to let's get to the content for today. You awesome. Know? Um, you know, this past week's sermon, or a couple of weeks ago, you talked about trading the whole for bits and pieces. And really talking about what does it mean to have integrity in our faith? You know, historically, we understood integrity to be a good thing. Like, you're the same person at home, at work, at church. You're yeah. the same person. You're not a hypocrite. Okay? Right. But some reason for, for, for some reason, this idea of compartmentalization has creeped yeah. into our culture today that says you need to be one way at church. You need to be a different way at work. And if you can't compartmentalize, you're unqualified to serve at certain positions. Yeah, and okay. we're seeing that right now. Of course, if you're watching this, you know that there's a Supreme Court you know, position that's open and all kinds of uh, chaos breaking loose. And really the crux of the argument against uh, this woman is the, you know, the fact that she actually believes uh, in God and she has a vibrant faith. And that is, instead of being a positive thing, mm -hmm. uh, the attack is, are you able to keep you know, your faith private? Are yeah. you able to keep your faith separate? And really, it highlights, uh, you know, we're talking about modern seductions that the church has to resist. Yeah. And the seduction is simply 
that we're going to embrace the bits and pieces instead of the whole. In other words, we're going to we're going to allow there to be a divorce between our private lives and our public lives, yeah. and uh, and that has tragic consequences for the message of, of the church. Well, just to begin, let's talk about the idea of separation of church and state for a second. Okay, you mentioned that in your sermons. You used the wall to, for great illustration purpose. Um, uh, our set off for uh, band of brothers. But, but you know, people have used that term all the time, separation of church and state. Can you just kind of clarify where that term come from and, and its, yeah. its original intent versus the usage it has sure. now? Well, that, well, that's probably one of the most uh, flagrant fouls in terms of of uh, this false dichotomy between, yeah. you know, the sacred, the secular, the you know, uh, the public, the private, uh, church and state. You know, somewhere along the line, um, the secularists have used that phrase uh, that, as we talked about, is nowhere to be found in our constitution. But it was a it was a phrase just to protect the church from the encroachment of the of the state. In other words, that the yeah. state had no power. It was a separate jurisdiction. And I think that's important for us to understand. You know, there is a legitimate separation of church and state. It's a jurisdictional separation. Uh, that means that the state has its unique role, right. and the church has its unique role. Right. Um, but there is no separation between faith and life, or between your private faith and public life. In fact, we said that's even illogical. Because right. it would create some kind of fake compartmentalization that somehow you you feel like you can live your life differently in different arenas and yet still be sane. You know, right. I mean, right. the whole idea of being I'm a Christian. I don't stop being a Christian when I leave church or when I leave my house. In other words, my faith actually has an impact on my life, yeah. and uh, and it's a good thing. And that's something that has been celebrated in America that we. We believe that your conscience is a holy place and that your conscience before God uh, is is between you and him alone and, and that the state cannot come in and encroach upon that and that we cannot punish you, you know, for your beliefs. Right. Um, and so this whole notion that somehow a, a Christian has to leave their faith at home if they're going to do anything public is just not, number one, it, it's, it's a false dichotomy because I tried to point out you know, the secularist who is attacking you right. for bringing your faith into public school or right. public service, they're attacking you with their faith. Right. And sometimes we don't call them out on the fact that everybody at their core is religious. And this is important. Every one of us in life is religious because we all have a worldview that directs who we are, what we believe, and how right. we live our lives. And right. so to pick on Christians only or to pick on in this situation a, a a nominee for the court who is a you know sincere Catholic, and to somehow suggest that her Catholic beliefs will will keep her from doing her job well, is just nonsense. Right. Because everybody that sits on the courts has a worldview, and they don't leave that worldview at home when they right. come and they make decisions. Now, obviously, you're, you're there to rule on the law, you know, and that's the point. We're going to rule on the law. Um, but you, but you just can't, you don't, you're not a compartmental, right. compartmentalized being. Right. You're a, you're a whole right. and what you believe about God and ultimate things impacts everything that you do. Right. Yeah. And even you're talking about the jurisdictional difference in separation church and state. And that, that phrase came from a letter that, um, I think it was Danbury Baptist Church wrote to Thomas Jefferson, basically was concerned that, yeah. that there will be the, the government, the state is going to start some type of national church, right. you know, kind of like the, the Holy Roman Empire or something like that. Right. 
And and Thomas Jefferson wrote back in a private in a letter to the church. It wasn't the Constitution. It wasn't anything like that. Yeah, it was he a mentioned private a, letter. Private letter saying there's a separation of church and state. In other words, it's an institutional separation, jurisdictional separation, like you said. And the purpose of the letter is really to protect the church from the government. Right. And now it's been used as a weapon to attack churches and faith. Uh, to say you cannot have any realm here. So yeah, I think that holds me. Yeah, you're not wanted term. in public life. Yeah. You know, in fact, you're dangerous to right. let you in public life right. because somehow you can't you you can't separate those two things. Right. And uh, and again, the, the intent was never to separate God or faith from yeah. public life. It was to simply make sure that we didn't establish a national church, whether it was a Catholic church or Protestant church or whatever denomination, right. that we would embrace faith. But it was not hostile against faith. Right. It was to, as you said, it was to protect faith. Right. And it's been turned completely on his head today. Right. That, that the president is not a religious head uh, of some type of national religion, you know. But, but I will also argue that in many ways, the president has become more and more so taken some type of dogma, represents some type of dogma, which you might not even call it religion, but in my heart, it's as religious as any. But, you know, you talked about just the whole idea of, um, of, of the dogmas in everyone. Every Supreme Court justice has their beliefs, worldview, faith. And whereas Christians are called out because it's deemed a religion, but it really depends on how you define a religion, because any worldview, secularism, is as religious as any. Absolutely. You know? um, because religious things deal with with uh, foundational assumptions. They, yeah. they deal with the building blocks of how we go about our life. Yeah. And ultimately, when you look at those building blocks, they're all embraced by faith, because they all start with assumptions. And right. fundamentally, those assumptions cannot be proven. They're embraced. Well, for example, science can never tell you what is good and what is bad. Scientists right. propose a, a theory or a postulate, and you use empirical data to prove whether this thing is reliable or not. And they, they can't even say this is always reliable. They just right. say it's kind of more reliable. It's based on probabilities right. because Probabilities, yeah. you have to conduct the experiment and get the same results. Exactly. It will never again. tell you uh, meaning. Right. It will never talk, talk to you about what is right and wrong. Um, I've heard it said this way. Science will tell you what is, mm. it, but it cannot tell you what ought to be. It well, can't give you an That's ought. good. Yeah, absolutely. So there's no ethics. Right. Uh, that's that's you, that's where faith comes in. Right. That's where our our ultimate we'll beliefs in God and values and morals come in. So whenever anyone speaks on uh, shaming others or promoting a worldview or saying this is the right thing to do, right. this is the integrous thing to do, they cannot avoid religion in their talk. I want to give you an example. When I was in grad school, I went to... Uh, uh, lunch with a young lady. She went to uh, MIT for um, so for undergrad. Very bright young very lady. Very bright young lady. She's in grad school. It's medical school. And um, so we were chatting. She wanted to chat with me. We were chatting. And she, and I brought the fact that I, I served in the mission field for two years in Taiwan. And she's one who asked me to lunch. And she started attacking me. She started saying, oh, man, you, I, you guys who proselyze your faith, you guys who push your faith, I cannot have any respect on all that. I mean, just totally change your tune. And I was so stunned by that, I couldn't answer. <laughs> yeah. But thinking back now, I what I should have said was like, you, you mean pushing your views on other people and making them feel bad and shamed? You really don't like that? Like what you're doing to me yeah, right like now? What you're doing to me. Like what Absolutely. you're pushing right now? Whereas I have never shamed anyone or I tried not. My heart was never to shame anybody. You are openly shaming, trying to shame me right, right. now. Um, so, so her argument would be, who are we to impose our views yeah. on anybody <laughs> yeah. else? Shame on you for imposing our yeah. views. And, yeah, yeah, she's doing the, that, and that's the point. That's exactly the point. Yeah, we all operate on the basis of our worldview, and the, and the sad thing is, here's somebody that's probably a secularist. I don't know where she's coming from, but yeah. even atheistic people 
have values. And the question, the, but the, actually the problem for them is why do you feel so strongly about this and where did that value come from? Absolutely. Because you have no basis and no foundation to be stating any ought about anything yeah. because your worldview does not give you the foundation to do that. But it was such a religious fervor because, you know, even us were taught to show compassion and love and not just be super comforting and be like, hey, don't you know you're a terrible person? And, and, and in this situation, she felt so compelled to chastise me, yeah. even though this was something that she wanted to do. I mean, I was so surprised by her religious fervor, zealotry, yeah. that, that she would express herself this way. But whereas I'm the religious fanatic who's proselytizing. Who's being attacked yeah. over a lunch. And I'm just like, wow. Yeah. I didn't realize. So, so the blind spots in, in, in secularists to, realize, to not realize they're as much religious or even more religious, right. more radical. We hear uh, people we say, are. you know, they'll, they'll say this, you know, oh, well, well, I'm not religious. You're, you're a religious person, Andrew, yeah. I, I'm not religious. And the fact of the matter is everybody's religious at, right. at the core of our being. That's the way God made us. We're yeah. made in his image and likeness. So at the core of our being, we will worship something. And unfortunately, the blind spot is if I don't worship God, I worship some false substitute, some idol. Normally, it's me. Right. Uh, you know, I create the God in my own image. That's why last last week we talked about the seduction of trading authority, what God says about reality for preference, what we feel most comfortable with right. and believe, what, what really fits my lifestyle the best. That's that's my own little God that I make. Right. Uh, and and we, we constantly will be become idol worshipers if we reject God and we reject what God has clearly said about reality. That's good. And, and you, you talked about how that's a, a seduction for Christians, especially in the public arena, is to quarantine their faith, right? To Or even for many pastors, it's like, I will only speak on these topics, but yep. these topics, because they're too controversial, I'm not going to get into it. There's a compartmentalization. Well, the whole idea, and many Christians have bought into this. Well, hey, you know, your faith is private. Mm -hmm. You know, you... you who are you to like be outspoken about your yeah. faith? Because you know there are people here in the workplace that maybe they don't share your views, and so just keep that you know to yourself. Uh, and yet that goes clearly against the c clear commands of Jesus. Uh, mm -hmm. There's nothing private about about being beaten beyond recognition and nailed to a cross in front of the entire community right. to watch. It was a shaming right. thing, and and uh, and so Jesus modeled the way for us that you know what what he said. If it's true, how dare we keep it? private. Right. Uh, and we believe that what he said is true. In fact, he told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel and right. teach people to obey uh, his commands so that they can experience the fullness of life. So uh, there's nothing private about our faith well, at all. You and I were even talking, if Jesus decides to kind of compartmentalize his faith, you yeah. know, public and private, he would probably be a really good politician. Yeah. I mean, he would rise up the rank I real quickly. He would, yeah. not have been, he would not have been crucified. Yeah, he just, you know, people get hungry, make them some food, you know, um, break some bread, and then, you know, keep his mouth shut about controversial things. Things and and he will rise up in the ranks real quickly. Well, you know, I tried to highlight last Sunday that the gospel, when it's properly preached, mm -hmm. is incredibly radical. Yeah, I, th there's nothing private about it. I mean, if God is God and He created the entire cosmos, then everything that exists exists to give the Lord glory and right. honor. And and that's a radical statement, which you know we, I highlighted. That's why the creation doctrine is attacked so vehemently by people who mm -hmm. who hate God and don't want to believe in God, uh, even to the point of it being completely illogical and irrational. Some of the things right. people believe about how everything got here, but the fact is, if God created it and He spoke it into existence, and that He's the foundation of everything, 
That's stunning in its implications. I mean, that means we belong to him. Yeah. Everybody on planet Earth belongs to him. I mean, there's nothing private about a God who went public with his glory and with his greatness. Right. And and I want to switch just on that topic. You mentioned here, you know, a, a, a privatized faith or a, a compartmentalized faith is uh, privately engaging but publicly irrelevant. And the whole idea of being private, personal, and pathetic. Now, yeah. why is a compartmentalized faith become weakened? Yeah. Well, if you and I allow our faith to go private, then basically what we're saying is that we just have this nice little belief system that someday is going to help us go to heaven instead of hell. Mm. Uh, but it makes you irrelevant to everything going on around you. Because most of our lives don't center around coming to church on Sunday morning and just having an hour or two spent in worship. Yeah. We go to work. We we look at the news. <laughs> yeah, right? We raise yeah. our kids. Yeah. We we make all kinds of decisions. We make all kinds of purchases. We, you know, there, I mean, the whole world is much bigger than than the what people call the sacred. You know, the sacred secular divide. What's sacred is a, is God, the Bible, Jesus, church. But what's What's secular, according to the false dichotomy, is everything else. And so if we tell our kids, well, yeah, you know, someday you'll, if you receive Jesus in your heart, you'll, you'll go to heaven someday, so hang in there. But the rest of their lives are spent with stuff that's secular. We've just absolutely cheapened the gospel, and we've made it irrelevant because that's, that, that's such a small little part of their life is the sacred part. So we have to reject that sacred, secular, false dualism. And we have to say, you know what, if Jesus Christ is Lord of all, mm -hmm. then he's Lord of government. He's Lord of the church. He's Lord of, of, of you know, my business life. You know, when, when men go off and spend 40 or more hours a week at work, what we tell them is, well, that's secular, you know, but what you do on Sunday, that's right. sacred. Well, then that just makes all of what they do throughout the week irrelevant. Right. Right. So, true. so we need to tell them, no, Jesus is Lord of the workplace, and we should be bringing our values and bringing our faith and our love and our compassion into the workplace. Right. Um, in other words, it, it takes it it shrinks the gospel into such a tiny little part of all of life that that it renders it irrelevant and impotent. Yeah, I like how you mentioned the whole raising your kids situation because you know we might be able to rationalize in our politicized head to be like, well, I'm still being a Christian. I'm just trying to be sensitive, whatever. But our kids can recognize when Christ is not in everything. Absolutely. They can quickly see that dad says this, but he's not really serious about it. They can see, they see through the truth and the, the cracks oh, in our armor, and they can be like, you know what? That faith they teach, if he's not really serious about it, then I'm not really serious about it. You know, And they grow up just saying, we got to follow some tradition. So even just to teach our kids, I mean, I mean, that's a that's not a minor point no. to, to show our kids that God is everything and for them to become lovers of Jesus. How important is that our kids love Jesus? Absolutely. Now, so so there's so much at stake. Yeah. You know, I mean, because like you said, our kids are smart. Yeah. Is, is this just something that we do on Sunday morning? Yeah. Or is Jesus really Lord of my dad's life, my mom's life, right. our family? I mean, what we do, how we do what we do, the right. choices we make, you know, our entertainment choices. Yeah. Uh, you know, or you know, so that's why again, when we when we we rob God and we rob Jesus of of His glory, uh, when we shrink Him into a place where He's only relevant to the the by and by to heaven right. someday, right. and then to what we do on Sunday morning. Well, how about how does this? So we talk about our our relevance, our impact on our kids and those you know people who are leading, who are following us. What about our on our neighbors or those who don't know Jesus? 
I mean, about the, the impact and influence that they see, you yeah. know? No, you're right. And people are watching. And so if we're not blazing, you know, if Jesus is not the blazing center of our lives and mm. people don't see, you know, the, the qualitative difference. In the, and I, people should see, my marriage is a great marriage. Well, why, why do you have a good marriage? because of Jesus. Yeah. Hey, your kids aren't perfect, but you know what? Your family, you know, the proof's in the pudding. That you guys seem to love each other. Your kids are doing well. You know, what's going on? Well, it's because of Jesus. It's, yeah. it's not anything else. You know, I mean, everywhere we go, it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And the, like I said, there are no little com compartments where we put Jesus in the baggie right. like I shared. And we Ziploc baggie and we right. keep him separate from the rest of our lives. Yeah, I even heard this. Uh, he's like, a, I forgot who, some comedian, but he, not a Christian, yeah. secularist. But he actually said, like, if a Christian is consistent with his worldview, how much would you hate me to not share the gospel with me? Yeah. So this guy doesn't even have an appreciation really for what we believe, no. but he recognizes it's that if it's logic. true. Yeah. If it's, it's true, the most loving thing you can do is not be private about it, but be very public share, about yeah, it. Yeah, because you want me to go to hell then by not sharing the gospel with me. Yeah. And he's like, how much would you hate me? So you, I think even people don't say it, they understand their heart, that if you're truly genuine and authentic. You know, and, and we're not saying, hey, go and just like bash everyone and bring your Bible and just start hitting people in the no. Bible and throwing no. Bible verses everywhere. Really be listening to, listen to the Holy Spirit. Did what Jesus did. I mean, he used such wisdom, compassion, kindness. As the woman of the well, he started by building relationship first, you yeah. know. He listened to the Holy Spirit. He told Zacchaeus, come on and go to your house, break bread. Right. You know, follow Jesus' lead. Don't just use your own strength. Listen to the Holy Spirit. And I, you know? and I, think, I think to get back to the point we're making, mm -hmm. uh, Stop, stop breaking your faith down into little little parts and pieces, and start living with integrity. Yeah. Integrity means if 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 you hold that belief that there's an there is a heaven and a hell, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, yeah. that He brings life and life more abundantly, then why would you keep that to yourself? Yeah. You know, I mean, if you really believe that, you, you would you would be living in such a way that your faith was was very real and vibrant right. and very public. And as you said, not in a way that like in a negative way, but just yeah. in a way where you're just real about yeah. uh, about who you are, that you love the Lord, you love Him everywhere, not right. just on Sunday morning. Absolutely. Um, so I think authenticity comes through. You know, if you genuinely passionate about God, you genuinely care about people. Not just when you're sharing the gospel, but you care about people in business transactions or when people make mistakes. Yeah. All that comes through. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So, yeah. No, it's good. So again, as it relates to the lordship of Christ, we talked about that, that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Mm -hmm. We talked about, uh, you know, Psalm 24, one of my favorite verses of all time, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, every single person, every, every thing that we see around us belongs to God. So this idea that we can somehow take God and separate him from government, well, you can't do that because God created government. Yeah. Or that you can take God and separate him from your workplace because oh well, we're not allowed to talk about that here you know somebody might be offended or whatever well who gives you the authority as a human being to to remove yeah. god from the marketplace god created the marketplace right. well we're not allowed to talk about god in public schools well who said you're not allowed to talk about right. god in public schools god is the he he's lord and the creator of of education there's not one arena that we confront in this world that god does not say that's mine I'm the genius behind it. And so we tell our young people, well, you know, hey, yeah, you're not allowed to bring your Bible to school. You're not allowed to share about creation in a biology class. Who said? Yeah. Um, you know, we need to push back because that's all comes from that false dichotomy, that 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 dualism that separates 
you know, take the nice big circle of life, all, the wholeness of life, cut it in half and, and make one part sacred and one part secular. That, that is a myth that we need to constantly push back on because if we believe it, it will, as we said, it will turn our faith into something that is impotent uh, and, and powerless and most of all irrelevant because people go, well, who cares, you know? What does your faith really matter? No, I, I love it. And I love the, how you call these seductions because they're not like frontal blatant right. attacks. Right. They're like seduction. They they creep in slowly, subtly, in, in a way that seems very loving and kind and yeah. very, very uh, culturally accepting. And they kind of creep in and it gets in your brain. The ideas gets in your brain. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh, yeah, there's nothing wrong. That just, that's just how it is. Yeah. So, seduction <laughs> is a slow process, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's subtle. And it's amazing, again, how many Christians have bought into this, though. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, you know, I believe this, but who am I to really, you know, suggest that maybe we pray before this meeting yeah. or, or whatever? Who am I? You know, I, I want to be sensitive to my neighbor. A and it all sounds so good, but it's not the gospel. Yeah. Uh, it's not the way the early church lived. In fact, in fact, to live with Christ as the center means that you're you're going to invite persecution. Yeah. There, you will be hated. Right. There will be people that will not appreciate mm -hmm. you, even when you're the most. You know, right. Jesus was crucified, right. and and was anybody more loving and perfect and holy and kind than Jesus? Of course yeah. not. You know, so right. for us to suggest that somehow, if we live the same way, we're we're going to avoid some of the consequences is foolish. You know, right. we will be persecuted. In fact, Jesus said, count it all joy when people hate you and despise you for simply bringing me public. That's really what the cost is, bringing Christ into the public arena. Yeah, no, There's a good. price to pay. So Yeah, no, it's good. And I, I really like the idea that... Um, what the, the idea that uh, the, the lifestyle that comes out of you is what you hear about more, you know? And... and this perspective is rarely talked about in church and obviously not in news or Hollywood or media yeah. or whatever. Uh, and we need to preach to ourselves and we need to hear this more. The more we hear, the more I feel like the courageous we can get to hear, to, to realize this is who we're supposed to be. If you were raised in this um, idea of uh, keeping your faith uh, private your whole life, I mean, there's a big seed of that worldview in your heart. And we just need, so I appreciate this message so much because I need to hear this over and over again, over and over. Even as a pastor, I need to hear over and over again to say, Jesus truly reigns everything. He claims everything. Yeah. He's not relinquishing one blade of grass to the devil. Everything is his. And the more we hear, the more it's like, oh, awakening, you know? I, I've been in education for 10 years to realize saying once does not do anything to somebody. Repetition is key. That's why you go home, you do those yeah. math problems over and over and over and over and over again. You know, so what are some ways that we can help ourselves, remind ourselves, encourage ourselves to continue to uh, grow? And, and even if we hear this, we're like, oh, this is so true, but uh, so not me. How do we continue to grow? In this I grew aspect? up in a, in a wonderful Christian family. I, I grew up in a home where there was a the, the, the presence and the experience of Jesus was genuine and real. OK, but intellectually, mm -hmm. I, I did not understand the the lordship of Christ and a Christian worldview until I went off to college. And fortunately, it was a Christian college where I was introduced to this whole idea, all truth is God's truth. That mm -hmm. goes all the way back to St. Augustine, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that Jesus is Lord of all. What does that look like? And uh, what, are the, what are the consequences of ideas? Mm -hmm. And I, I like to tell people my heart was already on fire 
for Jesus because yeah. of the personal encounters that we were seeing. In other words, the personal transformation that was taking place in other people's lives. Like I knew Jesus was real. Yeah. I knew the power of the Holy Spirit was real, but my brain had to catch up with my heart. And for many people, it's the other way around. Their heart, their head is ahead of their heart, and they yeah. they need to. They know a lot, but they haven't experienced a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There needs to be fire in our hearts and light in our heads. And when I first started connecting some dots in college about what this means, Jesus, Lord of all. What does it mean God created everything and everything exists for his glory? This was like paradigm exploding truth mm -hmm. for me. I mean, I experienced a revival in my heart because I realized that, that Jesus was not this tiny little compartment. Yeah, Jesus was everything. The compartments were real. I mean, we have a work, you know, we have marriage, we have our family, we have entertainment. Those are all little compartments of our lives, you know. But but that Jesus was Lord over all those compartments, that blew my circuits. I mean, I, I remember coming out, Marion and I, I met her at college. I remember in between class going, you'll never believe what mm -hmm. we just studied today. I was yeah. so excited. It, I mean, it, it just, it, it caused the Lord to get so big. Yeah. In my heart, I mean, he's already big, but my understanding of who he was right. just just exploded. And I would encourage people spend time. Uh, you know, I, I'm getting ready to teach a worldview class. Yeah. The the truth in that class, if we understand it, is so transformational. Our lives will are, will never be the same again. Now, the hard part again is is now beginning to live that out. Right. Uh, but fighting this this Americanized secularized culture that tries to tell Jesus that there are certain places in, in life that he's just off limits. Yeah. And to me, part of the fun is taking down all those do not enter signs, mm -hmm. because that's the, that's the fun part of going through life. Oh, do, Jesus, you're not welcome here in the Supreme Court hearing. Oh, yes, he is. Rip that sign down. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, you're not welcome in public education. Oh, yes, he is. Rip the sign down. Uh, that's part of the wonderful you know, excitement, the adventure now that I'm on. Yeah. And that Living Stones, you know, part of this has so impacted me that it literally is part of the DNA. I know I tell people, you'll never understand Living Stones culture if you don't understand Christian worldview. Yeah. Because we're just not about helping you get your life together <laughs> right. or helping you go to heaven someday. Those, those are important things. But we believe transformed people, as Chuck Colson always said, transformed people transform culture. Mm. That our job is not just to keep the good news to ourselves on Sunday mornings. Our job is to see our community transform, our marriages transform, our kids transform, our nations transformed, and the nations of the world transformed. And so I'm still on a process of connecting those dots. I'm still learning. I'm still reading. I'm still growing in my understanding of how this whole idea of whole, the wholeness of the gospel, not little pieces, yeah. how, do, how does that find expression in my life? Uh, so I would encourage people to begin reading, begin growing, begin. If this is new to you, then you've got some, you know, you've got some study to do, some learning to yeah. do. Um, but I'm just telling you, don't ever let anybody shrink the greatness, the glory, the power of our amazing God and the radical nature of what he claims. He demands all, yeah. you know, and, and that that is the heartbeat of discipleship. He doesn't want part of you. He wants all of you. Yeah. He doesn't want part of creation. He owns all of creation. He doesn't want one specific people group. 
No, the Bible says people from every nation, tribe, and language will be worshiping him. He doesn't demand just if you if you believe him that that, that that then he is Lord. No, Philippians 2 says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Think about that. Every human being that was ever conceived, that ever breathed their first breath, every human being at some point in history will willingly, voluntarily bow before the Lordship of Jesus and confess that he is Lord. This is radical. Yeah. The gospel is radical. That's why that's why godless people hate it. That's why the devil hates it. Because it's not just a little tiny little thing, that a little belief system that we keep between our ears. When the gospel goes public like it's supposed to, it has radical consequences. Good consequences. Good radical consequences. Right. It's a right. blessing. It's bringing the blessing of the kingdom of God to planet Earth. Uh, and the last thing we need to be doing is, is keeping the gospel caged. You know, Charles Spurgeon once said, he said, uh, the gospel is like a caged lion. Our job is just to open the door and let it let him out. Wow. He'll, he'll take care of the rest. We yeah. don't need. It's not like we need to do anything. We just need to let the gospel go public. Yeah, that's a, that's that's awesome. So that that would be my challenge. Is is this week? You know, where are those areas maybe in your life that you've compartmentalized the Lord? Um, do you have a mentality that says, oh, it's Sunday, that's our day for Jesus, and then when Monday comes, <laughs> right. uh, you're back to life as normal? Uh, or, you know, you should talk about Jesus in church, but when it comes to Monday work work week, is Jesus Lord of how you run your business? Yeah. Is he Lord about what you talk about? Right. Are you are you sharing your faith with others uh, in the marketplace? Uh, are yeah. people being impacted by your your dynamic blazing you know love for Christ? That that's where the rubber meets the road. Yeah, I think the Lordship of Jesus Christ is ever expanding our lives. You know, and and part of discipleship, our journey of discipleship is letting Him invade more and more of our lives and realize that more and more our lives don't belong to Him yet. You know, as I'm getting older, I'm like, wow, this area of life, my life have never been surrendered to Jesus. Well, this part I've held on to myself, you know. Yeah. So we're in journey, we're in process. But what we're saying here is the thesis, the, 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 the guiding statement above all things is that Jesus owns everything. I think we all need to be reminded of that. <laughs> That's yeah. how big he is. Yeah. And we're stunned by that. I mean, that, the gospel ceases to be amazing when we let culture shrink Jesus. Yeah. You know, his message is so radical. And, uh, and, and his claims of authority are so radical. Yeah. And that's why we, we cannot domesticate, you know, the gospel. We cannot take this raging lion and turn it into a putty cat, you right, know? Right. <laughs> that, yeah. That'd be the worst thing imaginable. And I get back to the whole purpose of why this podcast is so important and why it burns, you know, in, in both of our hearts is here's the good news. When Jesus is Lord of all, and when we live in a, in a sacred universe, because it all belongs to the Lord and it was all created by God, um, and when we release the good news of these ideas, they transform cultures. The gospel elevates people. Like, I always tell people boldly, you know, the Christian worldview is the most superior worldview out of any uh, other worldview on planet Earth. Well, Pastor, why can you say that? Well, I believe that the proof's in the pudding. Everywhere the gospel goes, everywhere Jesus goes, everywhere the ideas that Jesus introduced into this world, everywhere those, those ideas go, they bring blessing and breakthrough and prosperity and freedom. And that's why I, I, I've told teenagers, when I was a youth pastor, I told teenagers for years, if you can prove to me that there's a better way to live than 
than the way that Jesus has prescribed. I'll turn my back on the Lord and I'll embrace, because we don't do this because it's, it's religion or because or it's a falsehood. I want to live consistently. Yeah. I want to live with integrity. Yeah. And if this is not true, I, I'm not doing this just because this is my job. You right. know, right. oh well, you're religious because you're a pastor. Right. Are you kidding me? If this <laughs> was a bunch of baloney, I would throw it all to the dogs, and I, I, I'm going to pursue truth. Yeah. And so the reason I'm passionate about this is because I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that He leads to maximum blessing and maximum fulfillment. And if somebody can show me a, a way that's better, please do that. Um, but my my boast today is that Jesus Christ is Lord and he is the way and the Christian worldview is the best. And, and I challenge you, uh, if you're skeptical, dive into the claims of Christ, dive into the Christian worldview, look for inconsistencies, look for, look for a lack of integrity if you can find it. Yeah. Um, but at least do the homework. Don't don't cop out and say, well, you know, I'm not so sure. You know, you're, that's a bunch of baloney. Why don't you pursue with your mind and your heart and explore the claims of our Christian worldview and see again if you find uh, anything better or anything that makes more sense to this thing called human life, yeah. you know? That's a bold uh, challenge. That's a, that it. is a bold challenge, I but I, I, I challenge everybody who's listening. I dare you. I double-dog dare you, because here's the reality. When people pursue truth with a, with an open heart, mm -hmm. they find Jesus, and they get rocked. Amen. And their lives are never the same. That That's the challenge. Yeah. So... Any final thoughts or questions? No, this is good. I'm I'm feeling challenged. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> Absolutely. As you said, th this is a uh, a journey. You know, if you think our, our hearts are are wicked and selfish, that's that's how we're born into this life, and then we encounter Jesus, and and His goal is to gradually take over more and more ground inside of me. Yeah. And that's what spiritual maturity is about. That's what holiness is about. So I just want to encourage if you're listening listening to us today, don't don't think this is an overnight process. This <laughs> no. is a this is daily surrender. Saying Jesus be Lord of my life. Jesus help me in this particular area. Jesus, I, I there's a pocket of rebellion over here. Yeah. And, and will you please be Lord? I, I give you this area of where I'm rebellious still. And so let us pray for you this morning. Lord we we just declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. And, and Lord, we ask you to move us out of this little private bubble that the world wants to keep us in and help us take our faith public. And Lord, for, for all of us, we submit to you right now, no matter what time of the day or night someone's watching, the key is just submit in a fresh way to Jesus right now. Give him your life. He created you and he redeemed you. He is an amazing Lord, and he demands every aspect of our hearts. So, Jesus, we give you our hearts today, and we ask you to help us live authentic lives, lives full of integrity and wholeness in this world that's all fractured and all full of bits and pieces. We love you, and we honor you, and we give you ourselves right now. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, some final admonitions on where they can find this, share this, yeah. watch even previous episodes uh, if you're interested. Go to our website, lstones.org. Look up Pastor Ron, Ron Johnson's <laughs> Discipleship Podcast, and uh, they should also be uploaded on our YouTube channel. So, Amen. So. And hey, uh, next time we're together, we're going to be talking about the third seduction, uh, and that is the trading of the supernatural 
for what is purely natural. Uh, when the church operates in the natural, again, we become impotent and irrelevant. So, yeah. so we need to move in the supernatural power of God. That's what we'll be talking about next time we're together. Hey, have an amazing week and keep declaring Jesus Lord. Go, go public with your faith this week. All right. Have a great week.